0: Welcome to Tough on Art, the podcast for artists interested in ways to get ahead in today's art market. I'm Jen Tuff, owner of Jen Tuff Gallery and the Artist Alliance community. Join me for some down-to-earth talk about the best ways for artists to navigate this new and different landscape. So the first question is from Judy Miller. And she says, she asks, I am a sculpture turned mixed media artist. I like telling stories through my art and my work is quite varied in appearance and composition. How do I make this look more like a cohesive body of work? So Judy, that's a really common question and a lot of artists struggle with this. There's sort of like this underlying like sort of tinge of guilt, you know, if you work in different, in different directions or different media, like as if all of a sudden, you know, within, you know, a year or two of, of, you know, investing a lot of time in your art that you're going to have this super cohesive style and, and, you know, right out of the gate and, um, and that's all you do. Um, So (laughs) it doesn't happen that way. It takes a really, really long time and years and years and years of working at it to, you know, find, um, you know, a, a very succinct, style and direction. And some artists always work in different directions and that's okay. You know, they could be 30, 40 years in and do things that are completely different. So there's no laws and no rules about any of this. Um, what would be important though, is if you're working in, you know, pretty radically different styles or directions, you know, you said sculpture turned to mixed media. I don't really know what your sculpture was, but, um, if you think it's radically, you know, pretty radically different, um, I would work in series. I would define each sort of different uh, path of your work and how you're working into series. So you would want to simply define it um, and then and then follow that direction and keep working in that series. But you're going to want to name the series. Um, and usually that's, you know, something that you want to explore further. Um, you know, it can be just simply media. It can be an idea or concept. But follow, you know, follow it and define it as a series and give that series a name. So on your website, for example, you could have, you know, five, 10, you know, even 20 different series of things. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't really recommend 20 unless each one of those series are really, really strong. You only want to show really strong work no matter no matter what. And oftentimes, you know, an artist or any creative person, musician, writer, etc., you know, you start on something new, you start exploring a new path, usually that stuff that you do in the beginning isn't isn't the best stuff. So you also want to be able to self edit you might be really excited about the stuff that you're working on, but it might not be, um, you know, your strongest work. So before you put it out on your website, make sure that you're feeling really, really confident and strong. Well, as confident as anybody feels about things, right? Um, But make sure you're feeling strong and and good about it before you put it out there and define it as a series. And then once you define, you know, this different body of work as a series, you're going to, you know, give it a title, like I said before, and you're going to want to write a really short, brief reason basically of why you're creating this different series. You're going to want to say why you decided to explore this particular angle or why you're using this different medium. Um, And, you know, anything that you think that the viewer would find um, important In that definition of this new series. So it doesn't have to be super heady. It doesn't have to be art speak, it can just be very basic. You know, I'm using encaustic to explore the landscape of my backyard, or, you know, whatever it might be It can be very short, very simple, and very authentic always works the best. So if you work in a whole bunch of different directions and different styles and things like that, that is all totally normal, natural and expected and isn't something that you should ever, ever feel guilty about Um, because that's the most important thing about being an artist is challenging yourself, moving forward with experiments and seeing what rings true for you as an artist. And you know, you'll never know that. You're going to become stagnant and your work is going to become redundant if you if you don't continue to explore things. So, um I hope that helps and we'll get on to the next question. This next question is from Ruth Andre and she asks, I have been told to price my paintings consistently for all markets. How does an artist keep their prices for an art for art consistent with galleries in different economic areas? A gallery in Los Angeles and Chicago may price differently than galleries in smaller cities and in the Midwest. Um, If you're showing at multiple galleries, it's Crucial that you price things consistently and the same for the same type of art. The reason being, if you price your art lower, let's say in Chicago, than you do in Los Angeles, then someone who's interested in purchasing your works is just going to go to the gallery in Chicago. They're not going to go to the gallery in Los Angeles. Um, and then, therefore, you're, you know, sort of you're really kind of screwing over your gallery in Los Angeles because the gallery needs to know that you're pricing your work consistently because if you price it lower at another gallery, then, you know, you're really screwing over the gallery that has the higher price work. So it's really, really important to have consistent pricing across the board for certain, you know, like say your you know, 36 by 36 paintings or something are all priced the exact same. Um it's a wonderful problem to have but um definitely keep your prices consistent. This next question is from Alvira Dial. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um they ask do galleries nowadays sponsor artwork or help the artist financially to make a certain body of work which would then be sold in the gallery? Um no, uh galleries don't sponsor artists anymore. Um Maybe in the super high echelon of the art world that happens, but usually even there it doesn't. It used to be that galleries would actually buy the artwork and then sell it. So they would buy it at a lower price from the artist and then mark it up and sell it um, to the public. But that doesn't happen anymore. Now everything is on commission and consignment. So um, galleries just don't have the money to sponsor artwork because how would they get the money back? If they can't guarantee that the art is going to sell, then they're just sort of operating as a charity for the artist. And that's not um, why a gallery is in business. And they wouldn't stay in business if they did that. It's totally financially impossible to do that. Um, unless there's some sort of, you know, the, you know grants and things like that obviously are totally different. But galleries no longer sponsor artwork. Um, and then helping an artist financially to make a certain body of work No, that doesn't happen either, unfortunately. Um, Galleries, you know, usually just break even. So to um, pay an artist up front for something that they can't guarantee will sell isn't something that you're going to find in a commercial gallery. So I hope that helps. This question is from Marie Bergstedt. She asks, I receive a number of offers to be in exhibits or publications, especially from Europe, that require a fee, which is sometimes large. Is it easy to pass on? It's easy to pass on almost all of them. However, some are from organizations that have good reputations and beautiful publications. How can an artist know if any of these are a good investment? Okay, so there definitely are a lot of these sort of pay to play, uh, you know, exhibits, fairs, things like that. And... My quick take on it is, do they ask you to pay and they also take a commission? Then that's a problem. Um, If they're not taking any commission and you have to pay to like, you know, say it's an art fair and it's, you know, to rent part of the booth or something like that, then that's totally legitimate. Um, If they're also taking a commission on any sales, that could be problematic. Um, as far as like a European show, I don't know if you're in Europe, if you're in the United States or any other country, but there are um there's a lot of kind of schlocky fairs that are there, and they're very expensive. I've noticed I get hit up for them too as a gallerist they'll you know, and it's like anywhere from six to you know twenty five thousand dollars thirty thousand dollars um you know for a booth at one of these fairs, and then you gotta consider shipping the artwork, my God, that would be. A nightmare. The cost for that would just be absurd. Traveling there, staying there, things like that. If you had to be at a fair, um, if it's to be, you know, to have one piece in a show in Europe, and they have a beautiful publication, and the cost isn't too much for you as far as shipping, and um, if they have some sort of fee that they ask to be in this in this in this show, in this exhibition, and it's not that high, you know, I would look at their reputation by finding out other people's experiences with this fair. I would thoroughly scour their website, see who's behind Um, this fair or this exhibition, if it's not readily available who the people are behind it, I would, that would be a red flag for me. I would, you know, seek out other artists who might've exhibited with them or even ask them, Hey, can I get some recommendations from people who've done your fair or your exhibit in the past? Um, just be careful with that kind of stuff. Um, as far as, um, you know, the beautiful publications, that can be really helpful, but it depends on you know, how much are they just going to have, you know, one of your works on one page of this book with, you know, four other artists or something and that that's not, you know, too powerful. If it's a full page, then that's something different. Um, you know, that kind of thing never hurts. Um, but you know, other gallerists and, you know, art professionals will know, um, the books that are paid for and the books that aren't the books that are, you know, um, curated or, uh, you know, juried, those are, you know, obviously just like a show have more weight. So, um, don't put all, you know, your weight or importance in getting a, you know, a nice publication. Cause it depends on how much, um, attention you're going to be getting from that. So, um, the cost is, you know, definitely, you know, obviously the major factor if you, if you're paying over, I'd say, you know, if it was a rough estimate, like over five hundred dollars and they're asking for commission, I would be um cautious. I would just be cautious about all of that if it's not in your home country. Um, at the same time, you know i it's really important to get your work out into the world, and sometimes, you know, it's important to make that investment in your career. And that might take putting some money into, you know, splitting a a booth rental, for instance, at an art fair, or, um, you know, if it's, if it's a book that you're paying for one page in or something, if you are paying money, it needs to be really straightforward about what's going on. Um, so that would be, that would be my take on it. It is important to get your work out there. And especially in the beginning, if you don't have a lot of exhibits under your belt, or a gallery to represent you, um, you know, paying for you know a some sort of exhibition in some form um, isn't a bad idea. I think that there's like a really black and white view on this, and I think that it all varies just like anything else in life. There's variations on it. so consider that. I would consider it, but I'd also you know be cautious about it. The next question is from Gwen Gunter, and she asks. What is the best way to find your target market, your ideal collector, when your work is in a small niche that doesn't necessarily and um, isn't necessarily in high demand? Or is this even possible? I am a hard-edged geomet- geometric <laughs> abstract painter. So, um, Gwen, that's a that's a great question. Um, and by the way, your work is really strong. I really like it. Um, it's a it's also a really complicated question. So first off I I don't really know if a target market is something that is really you know when you're talking about a style of painting or art it's kind of hard to say what a target market is so I would kind of just sort of take that idea and just sort of put it aside for a while um the other thing you mentioned was your ideal collector um that's that's a, that's another way. Like, how would you find that? Like, how would you find your ideal collector? Usually, I've found when people purchase art, it's, you know, they see it and they sort of like, you know, oh, I love it. You know, something inside of them responds to it. So you're never really going to know who that person is. You can do a broad stroke of, um, you know, these people, you know, might be decorating their homes or something like that and might... Um, you know, might be buying paintings in general or art in general. But I think it's pretty hard to pin down people who might like, you know, your, you know, hard edge geometric paintings as you've um, defined them, that's going to be pretty hard to do. So I wouldn't focus on that so much as much as just getting your work out in front of people in general, and not worry about finding your quote unquote, target market, because I think that's, Almost an, almost an impossibility. Now, if you were with a gallery and the gallery had, um, you know, they already knew of clients or buyers, collectors who liked your style of work, that's, you know, that's a different story. Um, leave that up to them. For you as an artist, the most important thing is to um, is to just get it out there. When you said that um, you work in a small niche, I don't really think that's, I don't really think that's true. I don't, I don't really think that, um, your work is that nichey or hard to sell. I think that as paintings in general, it, you know, you have a leg up on, you know, obviously like, uh, you know, conceptual installations, let's say, um, you know, it's, so it's not quite as niche as that. Um, those works are not quite as high of a demand, as you said, um, because, um, you know, they're harder to sell. They're harder to live with. They're they're Um, you know, you have to have a big space. You have to have, you know, a lot of things you have to have an understanding of conceptual art, which isn't very common. Um, so I, I would think that your work, you know, would be in much more of a higher demand than, than you would think. Um, so, so my recommendation to you would be to focus instead of finding your ideal market, just to get your work out in front of people. Uh, I can see an art booth that you did at an art fair that, you know, is painted maybe the color of, you know, a predominant color that you use, you know, in your palette and having tons of different sized work. Maybe you have prints as well. Um, you know, all sorts of different price points for people, you know, a small booth like that, I think it would be incredible. I think seeing your work all together in one space because your style is very um, specific and you know you you work in a very um uh tight style it's it's very obvious it's your work so it would look beautiful as an installation with multiple pieces in there um for you guys who haven't seen your work seen Gwen's work um it's very um you know like she said hard edge so she has like a lot of black linear lines bright blocks of color that are very flat um it's a very distinct style so Um, I would take advantage of that and focus on your presentation, um, how you're showing it to the world. Take advantage of the things um, that make your work different from other people's because that's what, the the parts of your work that makes it unique are what you always want to focus on, whether that's presentation on your website, presentation at an art fair, presentation at open studios. Those are the things that you want to play with and really play up. And that's going to subconsciously Sort of resonate with your with your audience. It's going to make you stand apart from other artists. Um, it's a, it's something to definitely play with these big blocks of of color. So I hope that helps. And um, thanks for asking the question. This question comes from Janet Lucroy. Hi, Janet. How are you? She asked, "Why, when, and under what circumstances is it advisable for an artist to form an LLC?" Um, so I'm going to take this question as advisable to form a corporation of any um, form. And uh, I let's just <laughs> preface this by saying I am really bad with money and taxes. And you can ask my accountant of 25 years <laughs> about how bad I am at this. However, um, there's a lot of value in forming a corporation. I don't know so much about an LLC. But the value in a corporation right now are many. Um, there's a lot more write-offs you can get. There is um, – uh, right now, for instance, you can write off lunches or dinners that you pay for uh, with a potential client or – Um, somebody related to your art business, and it's 100% write-offable until I think the end of 2021. Don't quote me on that. And again, I'm not an accountant. You definitely have to ask your accountant or find an accountant to ask them. Um, But I think the sort of the underlying principle, and this is totally my um, art major opinion on taxes and stuff, but the underlying idea is that if you're making money on your art, and it's not just a hobby. You've sort of moved beyond the hobby phase. I think personally there's a lot of advantages of having a corporation. Now whether that's an LLC or an S-Corp or a C-Corp, that would be up to your accountant to figure that out and what would be best for you because there's all different ways that you can form a corporation, where you form the corporation, and you know what kind of tax advantages that your accountant thinks would be best for you. Um an LLC, usually sort of people associate that with, um, you know, limited liability, meaning people can't sue you. That's not really something that artists need to worry about <laughs> at all. You're not like a service business or, a, you know, a doctor or anything like that. So... Um, an LLC might offer some advantages, um, in other ways that, you know, that I don't know, but I would in general, uh, recommend forming a corporation if you've moved beyond the hobby phase and you are making money at it because simply because you can write things off, you know, your art supplies, if you go to an art fair, you can write that off, you know, by renting a booth. There's so many things that, you know, become uh, deductible from your income, which could be really important. Um, But I would definitely, you know, just talk to an accountant who would know about, you know, independent contractor corporations and go from there. It's a great question. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. Your support means everything. If you'd like to learn more about the Artist Alliance community, send me a question or learn about other events or projects coming up. Please visit my website at www.gentuff.gallery. See you next time.